0: Let us pray. May all who seek
1: you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, let God be exalted. As for me, I am poor and in misery. Hasten to me, O God. Heavenly Father, it is our joy and our calling to seek you and to delight in the salvation we have through the birth, the death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we search your word this morning, open our hearts to your will, and to your way forward in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's lovely to be back with you again, and equally lovely to hear that you will be having a new minister. That's wonderful news. Wonderful news. So this morning's reading, it's part of a bigger section in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus is outlining how things will be at the end of the age. He's come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. He's entered Jerusalem
0: to exclamations of, of Hosanna to
1: the Son of David in the temple, teaching and preaching and arguing with the elders and um, the priests and the scribes. So now he's alone with his disciples. And they ask him, when will the end time be? Because that's part of what he had been talking about. If you look at uh, chapter 24 before, we are doing 25, the beginning of 25, but if you look at 24, Jesus talks about what it will look like in those end times. Of course, their mindset is that when Jesus comes again, he will bring on a physical end to the oppression that the Jewish nation has been suffering at the hands of of the Romans. But we know that this was never God's plan. Remember in John's Gospel, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. He is speaking of a spiritual kingdom where he will bring to an end the spiritual oppression of all people who believe in him. So as I mentioned, Jesus launches into a long description of exactly how things will be when he returns. There will be wars and rumors of wars. The sun will not shine,
0: and there will be many false Christs, and false prophets
1: of Amos without a ray of brightness. The Jewish people thought that God's coming would bring a great blessing for them. After all, they had Abraham as their father. And they thought that it would be a day of light. But Amos was telling them something quite different. He was telling them that given their great evil, God's coming would signal for them disappointment and disaster. It would be a day of darkness. And he was reminding them to be careful what you ask for. So returning to Jesus' discussion with his disciples, he draws out the importance of being watchful in these times. So we've established that the opening of chapter 25, where Jesus talks about that time will be like that Matthew is writing about the time of Jesus' return. But Jesus reminds his disciples that not even the Son knows the day or the time, only the Father knows. So they are to keep watch because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you are not expecting him, by not coming prepared with some extra oil for their lamps, the five foolish virgins are in essence trying to send set the agenda rather than being prepared for
0: any time. But as I read that, I wondered, as a
1: Christian would it not have been
0: nice of them to, of the the five Wise virgins to share, wouldn't we expect that not be bought or
1: borrowed at the last minute? And that's what we are looking at here. We're looking at spiritual preparation. Our relationship with God must be our own. We cannot come into the kingdom on the coattails
0: of anyone. By not coming prepared with sufficient oil,
1: as I mentioned, these five virgins
0: are setting their own agenda as opposed to allowing. The bridegroom, and in a sense,
1: they were denying him his honor. In Proverbs 19.21, we read, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So Jesus is teaching his disciples and us that they and we must be ready when he comes, not planning and predicting
0: when he comes. The five foolish virgins were not
1: prepared to weather the uncertainty of when
0: the bridegroom was coming. Someone far wiser than me said the following,
1: what you do is what you believe. Everything else is just religious talk. So I question you, are we able to stay the course when it comes to our faith. But also, are we ready if Jesus returns in the next five minutes? Or what about when we've just had to deal with another disgruntled customer at work? Or another temper tantrum from our two-year-old Can we look around us at all the various places in the world where there is war and still still have our conviction that God indeed is in control of everything? Is our relationship with God, with our neighbors, with God's creation, in order or will Jesus find us lacking the oil that we need to shine on him and to bring him glory and to en- and to enable us to join his banquet in psalm 70 we read but many but may all who seek your j- and seek you, rejoice, and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, let God be exalted. Will we have enough oil to keep our faith lamp always glowing? And will we always be able to say, let God be exalted? Or will we grow weary of staying alert,
0: of standing against the ways of the world, or dying for Christ.
1: And finally, our thoughts go back to Amos, but let justice roll on like a river Righteousness like a never failing stream. And with that, we also remember um, the words, and I think it was the prophet Micah who said that, um, what does God demand of you, O man?
0: But to do justice and walk humbly with your Lord. The danger is that as the
1: five foolish virgins were not prepared with their their lamps, they were also not prepared to glorify and to honour the bridegroom, and so we, must also be very careful that we are ready at all times
0: to glorify God and not ourselves. Amen.